Hey, hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Tony Flo Real for the Hangry and Horny Podcast. Hope you're having a flotastic day. This show is sponsored by F-Bomb Nut Butters. Go to dropanfbomb.com. Check out their amazing selections of nut butters that are macadamia-based. I love these nut butters for a quick snack on the go. Sometimes I eat it for a light meal. Nonetheless, they're just amazing uh, to-go packets. You can take it anywhere. And uh, they have delicious flavors like macadamia and with coconut oil. They have a sea salt version. One of my favorites with uh, sea salt chocolate. And they also have a pecan version. For those of you guys that are doing a ketogenic diet, they have MCT oil. Or if you're looking for a nice, delicious fat on the go for like your salads, they have avocado oil. They also have, I think, uh, coconut oil on the go as well. So go to dropanfbomb.com, punch in this promo code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, at the checkout, and I'll get you... 20% off of your first order. I'm having an amazing event on February 16th and 17th, 2019 in Santa Cruz. This is called the Magic Flow Bus. And on the 16th, it's an adult-only event. We will be having all kinds of fun exercises, uh, technology there to help people get induced or entrained into a flow state um we have things like breathing exercises yoga uh we tend to do ice baths and like the wim hof breathing uh we have all kinds of other technologies from microcurrent therapy hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh the juve which is a infrared light that you stand in front of and and it charges up your cells uh, so fun, fun event, amazing community of people of all walks of life. We tend to have like an all-star there, someone that had achieved a high level of success in their field. Last time we had two-time Guinness Book World Record holder and the biggest waves ever paddled. And his name is Sean Dollar. He will be there at this next event in uh, Santa Cruz. On February 16th and 17th. So if you're interested, go to magicflowbus.com. Check out our website. All kinds of amazing people there. A cool, cool community. So if you're interested in taking your life to the next level in terms of flowing better, feeling better, and performing better, check out our event. On the 17th is our first ever family flow event so we're basically teaching kids which we wish we were taught in school at that age so we're taking all the best information in terms of you know how to stay poised under pressure how to you know be aware of your mind thoughts you know the the thoughts that come across are ticker tape Uh, awareness and how to not be identified with them how to gain a greater 
sense of who you are and a greater sense of control for your life. So for those of you that have kids, um, this is a family event. So parents and kids are welcomed. We will be teaching them all the necessary skills that will help the plant become a better place and to de develop that 21st century skill set in order to really thrive in this life. So go to magicflowbus.com and check out our event in Santa Cruz on February 16th and 17th. My next guest is an incredible human being. His name is Peter Marola. He comes from the information technology world. He has a very interesting background because he's also a lifetime meditator. He shares his experiences of you know, the importance of meditation in our lives for tuning in, tuning our human instrument, the ability to perceive things that science is having a difficult time or is getting better at, you know, uh, measuring these sort of phenomenons that happens. So Peter goes into the experience of meditation and divinity. Please keep an open mind. As you'll see on this interview, I ask him very critical questions so that you can see that we're fully aware of, you know, the rationales behind, you know, reality. But we're also very, very aware of phenomenons, the phenomenologies that happen whether you're, you know, in a flow state per se, or you're meditating and you have access to information that, you know, borderlines on that whole paranormal uh, phenomenon world. So without further ado, please give it up for my next guest, Peter Marola. Peace. Peter Marola, welcome to Hangry and Horny. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. That's how I always start. I always like everybody just goes, "Oh, whoa, what's Hello. up?" So, uh, yeah, we're in uh, Northern California in wine country. Uh, just came over from Ireland. Uh, been missing you a lot. Um, we met last year at one of the, I guess, inaugural Magic Flow buses. Yeah. Um, I guess you must have been friends with uh, Dr. Scott Schur, or that's how, how you found out about Magic Flowbus? Yes, ac actually a friend of uh, Scott's told me about it, and so she introduced me to Scott, and then Scott introduced me to you. That's amazing. So Magic Flowbus, for people that are listening, is a 12-plus hour day of fun um, using uh, concepts in flow. So what flow is, is this state of consciousness where uh, the sort of technical term for it is that when you feel your best and you perform your best, um, there's also many sort of altered states that come out of it. We're based in sort of spirituality principles. Um, 
But what's interesting is that we combine uh, technology, medicine, science, spirituality, movements. There's all kinds of things that we pack the whole day uh, to help people discover this state that maybe many haven't felt since they were a child. So um, when we met, uh, what was sort of the like thing that tickled you about coming to this event? Uh, one of the biggest things that tickled me was um, just an opportunity to interact with a bunch of people who were like-minded um, and um, who actually wanted to have connections and were interested in having real conversations versus the uh, typical news, weather, and sports. So that was really exciting to me. Um, and so... And, uh, for me, it's always uh, interesting to meet new people because it's everyone's like a whole new universe. It's, it's like a whole n- new world. So it was really exciting that way. That's cool. So do you actually, um, well, one, like I totally um, love that part about the event is that like people from all walks of life come in there. Mm-hmm. Like you said, each person, their own universe uh, in and in itself. So for them to sort of, two planets per se like collide together to uh create a new experience outside of their own uh let's say ego self their own universe Mm -hmm. their own sort of perception of reality so um when you get a lot of people in one room Mm -hmm. having amazing conversations that are outside of like you know uh, how's the weather right <laughs> it's it's a bit deeper than that and so you have like mind in terms of they're all interested in health wellness healing um and then also i guess on some level like learning and uh the byproduct of performance so we're not looking at like performance as like that's the thing that we want to do at the accomplished goals it was just sort of performance just kind of happens as a result of mm-hmm. feeling connected complete energized charged so your background is in like it um, but it's really interesting because you also have a background in spirituality with many years of meditation practices Mm -hmm. Um, how are you able to like marriage those things together Uh, well uh, first of all the um, it was the way i made money in the world but my uh, first love and uh, in this world was kind of meditating and, uh, and uh, you used the word uh, flow and I would use uh, uh, being connected with divinity or uh, whatever. It's just uh, kind of kissing cousins or maybe they're the same thing. And, um, and so um, the first company I uh, had was uh, called Power Data Solutions. Um, but in most people would think that in as about data processing, but it was about uh, 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 the data was kind of a, a divine data uh, solutions, and that the whole uh, way I did my business was in kind of a, a, a flow way. I never did any advertising. I just uh, really connected with people, helped them solve their problems, and uh, and they always connected me to somebody else. And so I always got a lot of business that way. And yeah, so like that would be an example of 
so you had a, a sort of formal title for your business, but it was a metaphor for something deeper, which is uh, this sort of epiphany state that people get when they're you know trying to solve a problem and they're mm-hmm. just it's they're grinding out trying to figure out the solution. And then um, one of the things that we teach at Magic Flow Bus is this flow cycle where you know, anytime you're learning something new or trying to solve a problem, there's always going to be struggle in the beginning or most of the time. That's usually the the way the process works. And then you you work at and work at until you just can't crack that code. And then there's a, a part of the cycle next is the release. So you walk away from the problem, you go wash dishes, you you go take a shower, you go for a walk or something, and then like out of nowhere, like getting hit in the head by some brick or something or a lightning bolt, you get that epiphany aha moment. So it's like a power data solution comes to you. <laughs> right. Right. You got it. Yeah. So that's essentially what people are loving about, like say, uh, I guess dopamine response when we're talking about neurochemistry of the brain mm-hmm. and the uh, why we're so addicted to it because we get that feeling like aha all the time like if we're solving a crossword puzzle but this is happening like way too much on the extreme end like with our smartphones so um, back to sort of that divine uh, download per se, you know, mm-hmm. like in the yeah, matrix. It literally, it literally is a download. Yeah, it's like, where is this information coming from? And uh, Stephen Kotler for the uh, Flow Genome Project, they're a scientific organization that studies flow and they want to open source this to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's like his biggest question. He's like, I want to know where information comes from i want to know where i know like when something comes to me like where that that data coming from so would you say in your own experience uh with spirituality it's it's of that nature well i i think data is coming from a a lot of different ways and you know the kind of things i'm going to say are uh what my direct experience is because um, I, I think things are existing in an infinitely complex way. And so whatever I, I can say is only about uh, part of it. Um, uh, some of it is, you know, that the spiritual realm is uh, every bit as elaborate as this physical world. And so uh, the number of spirits that are out there, uh, the, the number of spirits that are out there, and wanting to communicate and help, and the ones that aren't trying to help, it's uh, very similar to uh, this uh, this realm. And in addition to that, it's um, we're all connected to the divine. Um, I like to re- uh, say it that way because it's um, or to pu- a pure source, or however you want to say it. I like to completely re- remove any religious implications because that tends to dilute things right um, and downgrade things right um and and even the sense of uh like like you said spirits talking or coming through right so um so um so in my own own experience i'm you know i meditate three to uh five days or five hours a, a day so uh, a lot of that time is not sitting. It's literally um, just um, connecting more and more. It's like I use my breath 
and I connect deeper and then I connect deeper and I connect deeper and it, I may be making a cup of coffee or making myself breakfast or what, whatever. And as I'm doing that, uh, uh, it's whole tab loads of information come. Right, um, right. So you're not just traditionally sitting in a lotus pose or a, a cross-legged. It's uh, your daily things like making coffee. Yeah, and movement. Uh, yeah, throughout the day. Um, and and so it's it's much more uh, connected with everything I'm doing, um, and it's all uh, for me. A lot of times, it's a ticker taper. My wife uh, is always reminding me that oh, you know, you said this, and I'm. I don't even remember because it was right in the moment where I just saw something and just said it out loud. And so I, I don't necessarily uh, even go uh, like it's coming from me. It's just like I, I read the news. Yeah. And uh, so I'll just say it out loud. And, uh, and then I would say there's a high percentage of it. Uh, being accurate and it's um it's not a any kind of ego state uh for me at all it um it's it's just information yeah absolutely i mean in my own personal uh interactions with you uh you've been like highly accurate with information uh data that you've received mm -hmm. um through your day-to-day living as you say um it, it sounds like your form of meditation is more integrated with uh living um with you know breathing cooking cleaning uh working like at a computer mm -hmm. um it's not just some designated time uh, which i'm sure you have that too where you actually sit in oh, silence yeah. and uh practice your your breath and focus on you know uh, feeling and 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 all the different ways of uh, getting into a meditative state which is all like different brain waves and heart waves and muscle waves in combination but um uh, literally you're you're accessing information and and then you'll you'll share with me with my with uh, my permission so you would actually ask me you know is it okay if i i share this with you i had uh, notice something come to me information mm -hmm. and um, I've never felt like it was manipulative I never I always felt like safe with you mm -hmm. and so I would always say yeah like that you have my permission which is in and itself is so important because so many people that have access to information uh, don't ask people for their permission you know mm -hmm. um, and you you even would say like oh I feel almost uh bad that i i uh, i i'm not intruding it's just what came to me you know and so mm -hmm. by setting up the presupposition that way it, it makes me feel like i can trust you in that sense so mm -hmm. so you would tell me things and, and it would actually happen you know and and not just with me but like a lot of people within our circle that we met through mm -hmm. magic flow but so um on one level i'm very like rigorously critical and um a scientific awesome but i've had so many experiences where like science just is left in the dust because they just don't have the instrumentation to be able to validate and substantiate where information comes from and you could put somebody in an mri machine fmri machine and all these gadgets and see what part of the brain is like 
local material uh, reductionist, but they just can't explain anything more than that. And that's just called paranormal. Yeah, and and for for me, everything is so much more physical. Uh, um, because I've meditated so much and uh, for so long, uh, when I hear even hear people talk about meditation, I I feel like I'm using a different word or I'm talking about something uh, different within the same context, the same realm. Yeah, right. Um, uh, be- and, and the reason why I say that is be- uh, because it's all about for me direct perception. It's it's not uh, about reading a book. And trying to just oppose my own experience against that, uh, what the book said, or what some saint said, or uh, whatever. Instead, it's about, uh, just like you and I are sitting here and we're uh, communicating, and there's a whole understanding and a whole um, neuro pattern that's happening. It's just like that. Yeah, you know? it's a, he, he was right in front of me. I saw this, and... That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So it's a direct experience in person, in the flesh, of so physical, not theoretical. Um, you may take uh, information from someone else's experience, mm-hmm. uh, but you you have to like actually experience it yourself. Like, or it doesn't really meet the surface of the road. The rubber doesn't meet the road uh, mm-hmm. until the actual physical interaction is happening. Versus what you just heard someone say. Yeah, and, and and if it's okay, I'd like to just detail this a little bit more. And Absolutely. Just to ex- explain some of uh, how I meditate and what it's about. Uh, we all have so much energy that's out in the world where people are using uh, a tremendous amount of their perceptual ability in the outer world. And... Uh, for, for me and my meditation technique, it's about taking that energy and literally inverting it and going uh, inward to the point where um, I have a lot more perceptual ability, meaning that where it's not normal to feel your pulse at the tip of your uh, finger, um, just my attention there, I can raise uh, that pulse. So where I can literally feel my uh, heartbeat anywhere in my body, even uh, where it's not normally palatable. Yeah. And, and the reason why I can do that is because I'm just inverting uh, that energy instead of it being dissipated in the world. I'm uh, refocusing it inward uh, to amplify what's natural, my vision, my hearing, my taste, my, my sense of uh, uh, tactile. For for me, when somebody walks in the room, it's completely tactile to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as though I'm uh, touching a different texture. Right. Um, and so when we're talking about information, a lot of oh, why things are so apparent to me is because it's just that literal. It's I've felt the shift. And then as I've gone even deeper into that uh, perceptual ability where we see light on the outside and I'm seeing light on the inside. And then uh, we have visions on the outside. So I'm going deeper into the light inside 
and uh, connecting with my, my own personal sense of divinity, um, then visions come and tableaus come, but it's, um, it's not mystical to me. It doesn't feel mystical to me at all. It just feels what's natural. Right, right. Yeah. And then sometimes I think, oh, I'm just like a, a dog in somebody's house. <laughs> yeah, because the, the only thing they're doing is uh, sensing and feeling what's uh, uh, how people walk in the room, what's their demeanor, what's their uh, uh, what's going on in their mind. Right, and and so back to that because certain animals, uh, well, they had a different bandwidth of, of senses and mm-hmm. sensitivities. So like a dog, per se, would be able to hear certain frequencies that the human ear can't, um, or certain animals can see at a certain light spectrum. Right. Um, so, you know, everybody makes the assumption that like all human nervous systems are the same. And so it makes sense to me that it's possible, just like how we can train our muscles to be stronger, right. it's possible to have uh, certain nerves uh, sense uh, information in the same way to uh, develop that uh, ability. Mm. So, um, would you say that that's uh, the case for you? Because that, that's certainly what I've noticed too in my own experience with uh, meditation and uh, visualization and whatever term you want to use that would mm-hmm. direct that energy back to a, like an inward focused. Uh, yeah, I I would say that definitely. It's definitely trainable and entirely natural. It's it's completely uh, organic in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, it's not outward. It's much more inward. Yeah. Um, while while Peter's talking, <laughs> my hair day battery went out. <laughs> so I have to re- so, rely on technology to. So, to Put so, a new battery in there, so, and then. So what you're yeah. saying is you're only <laughs> so you're only watching my lips move. <laughs> uh, something like that. It's a divine timing, right? It's a, <laughs> hilarious. Um, when my hearing aid battery gets low, it makes this tone like it's like at the end of his life, yeah. you know. Um, but that's that's fittingly because again, the hearing sense, um, a lot of distractions of the mind is from sound. Uh, from the outside world, but, um, you know, I noticed through, like, having a, a practice, a, a, a contemplation or meditation, mindfulness, mm-hmm. whatever the, the, the term you use, mm-hmm. uh, where you, you just get quiet and you shut off all that stimuli from the outside world, so, um, you know, my girlfriend, Judith, she works at a uh, sensory deprivation float center, mm-hmm. and that's like an amazing place where you can actually shut off uh, the the outside world, lay in uh, water that's with like thousands of pounds of salt, and you literally like s- just float on your back, mm-hmm. and there's no light coming in. But you still see light. You st- yeah, so that's what I was going to say is that at a certain point where the uh, monkey mind actually quiets down. Because at first you're like, this is weird. Some people get a little scared. I was scared the first time before I even went in. I was like, like it was like like a monster under my bed when I was a kid, right? It's like, what, what's in there? You know, what am I closing the door to the outside world? And 
And, um, but the moment that I settled down, but I could hear my heart beat, um, I could sort of sense the water. And the thing is, the water is the same uh, temperature as your skin. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, you, you hit this like inflection point, this sweet spot where you can't even feel like where you begin and end. You, you, you feel this sort of just pure awareness. Yes. And, um, and then back to um, the light, you start seeing lights. You start to see the ticker tape of almost uh, a vision. And you're like, where is this coming from? And then when you get out of the tank, everything is brighter. Um, sound is crisper. Uh, sensitivity, you can feel, uh, like you were saying, when somebody walks in a room, it's an actual literal tactile feeling. It's not just like noticing uh, the movement through your eyes and like hearing them, mm-hmm. you actually can feel them like their presence almost. And so, um, yeah, back to that experience of like uh, developing that quality. Yeah, and uh, also, um, like I've said before, I I meditate from the time I was seven. So by the time I was even in my uh, teenage years. Um, and I, I grew up um, in kind of an inner city where my friends were doing uh, acid and different things. That was never a consideration for me because my inner experience was so bizarre. <laughs> to be to begin with, it would would never be a consideration to, I, that I needed to enhance that in any way. Right. Uh, and because it, it probably wouldn't be pleasant for me. Uh, so that goes into... Um at an early age, you've been exposed to this form of uh, introspection. Like, did someone introduce it to you? Did you? How did you know at such a young age to to go within and really tune? Well, it's kind of a, a strange uh, story, but uh, I'm I meditated with um, uh, uh, probably you would call him a saint. His name was Sri Yukteswar. He um, lived in India. A lot of people know who Yogananda was. And so um, I uh, had a life uh, close to that ashram, and I was uh, um, always in and out and doing a particular form of meditation called Kriya Yoga. And then interestingly uh, enough, in this life, it's where I uh, naturally moved to learn uh, Kriya, but even as a young boy, I I knew about light inside, and I knew about uh, the upper cortex. I um, and so even as a young boy, I was already seeing light, and I also uh, I already had um, a little extra inner perception. Okay, like uh, an ability, uh, an extra ability to feel. And uh, uh, so just. Uh, to interrupt real quick I'm sure some people are listening to this and going like okay what the hell is this guy talking about right (laughs) like he was uh, you're almost like talking about having a past life with this guru and then as you come into this life in this body as a young kid you had like almost like a continuation of a a video game you know like you you were a different body, a different time, mm-hmm. and you had like knowledge from that past uh, lifetime, so to speak. So, uh, and I, I know that you're fully aware that 
this sounds super weird too. Um, so just with that context for people listening, like just to keep an open mind on that, because mm. um, I totally get it. I'm like, I'm just as critical, but I'm, I'm just as open because of my own mm-hmm. personal experiences where like, how does one even know at such an early age uh, some of the gifts that they had, like whether it was like Beethoven or something or Mozart, they just were these savant children, like where this information coming from at such a young age. And a lot of the ancient traditions would always maybe just say that that was a result of past lives, you know, and that mm-hmm. direct experience for them in their own personal opinion mm-hmm. um, is, is the fact it's so yeah it's so real to them mm-hmm. you know but for anybody that's listening that's not even remotely uh in this kind of field or realm that we're talking about I'm gonna be like okay yeah. these guys are nuts you know <laughs> well that's for sure <laughs> yeah definitely right <laughs> you know uh yeah I'm, I'm my own life is bizarre to me I don't know how else to, else to describe it, but it, even from my own perspective, and I look at it, go, wow. But I, I think that's uh, no stranger than the fact we're living on this planet that's uh, spinning around this sun and everything's moving through the sor- uh, solar system. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's extremely sci-fi, bizarre, incredible. Right. And... Uh, and and it's it's part of uh, you know one of the things I I say is uh, all, all the time to people is uh, okay if you shovel a little piece of dirt anywhere and you put it under a microscope you'll you'll see that there's so many different organisms that are living uh, and some are eating other ones and there's this uh, whole uh, dynamic um, thing and 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 it's no way any scientist can even analyze that single piece of dirt and understand all the relationships and chemistry and organisms and all the interactions. It's, it's so, it's infinite. Yeah. It's a microcosm, you know, a microcosm. And and then you, then if you stand outside at night and look up at the stars, you know, for me, things are that complex. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's just that complex. Right, right. Uh, and there's all this interaction. You know, there's uh, trees outside where we're, uh, uh, we're sitting here, but those uh, trees are producing oxygen, and there's uh, all this uh, kind of interaction in, in the whole realm. Uh, and, and it's... And I don't mean any of this in any kind of religious uh, sense. Uh, for me, it's it's just about um, saying what I've experienced. Yeah, well, it's like life itself, the dynamics of life, and uh, maybe certain organizations, religious organizations per se, had like hijacked the uh, sort of spiritual aspects of like like how is this even possible like we're in the goldilocks zone of space where life is possible but they haven't 
been able to see i mean they're starting to see that there may be some other planets that are similar to the earth that mm -hmm. their life is maybe possible but at this high level of complexity and organization in a uh multicellular organisms that communicate with language and um so yeah this aspect that you know this is like woo woo per se is like like yeah because certain groups have sort of again hijacked it and like bastardized the the true nature of of nature right? <laughs> yeah they're, they're and and a lot of them are just trying to profit from it some in some um, material way. One of the things my uh, teacher used to tell me uh, was, or my, my guru, his name was uh, Hari Harananda in this life. Um, and he was the last living realized master from Sri Yukteswar, who was the same uh, teacher as uh, the famous Yogananda, Autobiography of Yogi. And one of the things he would say was that you're not be trying to become realized. You're trying to get every cell in your body to become realized. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was always a twist for me because you're, it, because you're, we all have these kind of concepts about what it means to move forward spiritually or what, what does it look like. And, um, and so people formulate these concepts, um, but the, the reality is, is there's so much consciousness in one cell. I, you know, I recently, I may have told you this, I, I recently went to um, this lecture, and this woman is a, um, she's a microbiology uh, photographer. Wow. And so she takes pictures of things under these high-powered microscope. And so she was, selling, she was showing us th these cells and one cell having you know 1500 different sensors and and then there's a membrane ar around that and how uh, uh, the the cell is sensing what is in uh, the blood and saying okay this can come in that can't go out I'm, I'm gonna push this out I'm gonna bring this in and I can tell this is an oxygen molecule I'm gonna uh, pull it in you know, there's so incredible intelligence in uh, that one cell. And so I even when I look at a human being, I, I look at how, um, I again, this is probably going to sound bizarre, uh, <laughs> uh, how things are literally coming out of the vacuum, but um, it's uh, like that power of the div divinity is pushing how evolution is happening. You know, you know, for me, it's not a coincidence that we have, you know, we have a reptilian brain and a mammalian brain, and we, we have these uh, different add-ons, um, and that's uh, repeated in many different mammals. Yep. You know, it's not uh, just genetic. It's also, uh, for me, and what I've experienced directly is how um, that energy of uh, divinity is is having it manifest that consciousness in that way. I, I mean, allowing us to have this level of consciousness that we're able to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely mind-boggling that this is even possible. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess the theory is, like, we're at a certain uh, age of evolution 
and that like our next distant uh relative like let's say the chimpanzee mm -hmm. it's just like a few hundred thousand years to evolve into where we are now mm -hmm. so um that 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 sounds interesting to me that that you know like our predecessors before that were you know let's say the crow magnon or the uh uh neanderthals you know so yeah. um yeah it's, it's just it's mind-blowing one in terms of the uh perceptional abilities that we have our senses and then on a micro level inside the body that we're there's debates on how much of us is actually human mm -hmm. so like the, the materials that our our bodies are made out of like minerals and mm -hmm. uh, biological like cells and then like the, so that's one and then one to one uh, microorganisms in our bodies and how they dictate um to from the gut to the brain right like what to eat or what to crave uh certain behaviors um, so there's research where you change the microbiome of an organism's gut and they, like their personality changes, right? So yeah, it's, it's bizarre how, how we even consider what consciousness is. Yeah, and how the, you know, like you're talking about, it's literally uh, our ability to cognize is um, almost a collective consciousness from our the bacteria in our stomach or in our whole body. It's uh, it's just a it's just being funneled uh, to our brain in a, in a certain way. But, I mean, there's so many incredible things to consider, just how animals know about a disaster is going to happen way before any human does. Yeah. You know. And it, so some people an, would label that as, like, intuition. Um, and, yeah, and so an intuition for me would be just they felt it. Right, they and, felt it, and they were able to cognize that as uh, as that. Okay, I felt this, and therefore I'm gonna I'm gonna exit because uh, right. I know there's gonna be a problem. So, like, let's say on a factual level that they had a a, a sensitivity uh, mechanism within themselves that they could perceive it sooner than a human could. Mm -hmm. um, it may be certain humans that are like highly developed. Uh, sensitivity wise mm -hmm. uh, would be able to notice the same thing but most of us are like numb to uh, what we perceive as reality you know that there is so much more uh, as you and I have experienced mm -hmm. um, that again like as much as I appreciate science like I'm not gonna like keep all my eggs in that basket <laughs> you know um, just as, as I just love science and I love what it's doing but uh, one of the best quotes I heard from was from uh, Jim Rohn, who mm -hmm. said, um, I'd rather uh, eat the fruit uh, from a tree than study its roots, you know, to have that direct experience. Right. And um, so the question I have is, like, like why? Like, why um, become sensitive, you know, to... Uh, the world and reality like why why did you um go within like what's the importance of somebody like doing that in their life oh uh, well well for for me it's just about richness uh for uh, for example when i meet uh, somebody and it, it's hard to quantify 
my skills and it just sounds like I'm a, a madman but a, a, a lot of times you are <laughs> I, I, I you know I oftentimes I hear uh, the thought patterns um, and it's not like what most people would think where you're listening to a radio it's uh, most people have about uh, 20 or 30 different things going on at the same same time and, and kind of a mad cacophony of uh, of things and things are being motivated out that. But I just sense that, hear that. And then uh, for me, uh, uh, the greatest richness in my life is just knowing people. So it's just about uh, that intimacy. And, uh, and it's literally um, a direct witnessing of divinity in people. Where you, you, I mean, you see all the, uh, the, the problems and you, you, you see the great strengths that they have. And then, but you see the, uh, uh, beyond all that, you, you, for me, I just have that sense of preciousness to people. That's what I see. I just see that that sense of preciousness, and I I think it's one of the reasons why I can talk to people a lot because I don't. There's no sense for me of better than or less than. It's just you and me. You know, it's just yeah, like you were saying with polarity, like negative and positive. It doesn't yeah. mean good or bad. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, people get really tied up into the, oh, this is good and that's bad and this is good. And a lot of, like I've said so many times, some of the things people think are really bad are the good things. <laughs> and some of the things they think are really good uh, are the bad things. And, and I, I suppose an oversimplified version of that would be, oh, let's go eat some ice cream. That's so good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, I'm I'm sorry. You know, to in, inform you, but uh, the impact of that ice cream on on your brain, uh, and and the sugar, uh, and a, lo a lot of these things is probably not such a good thing. Yeah, like I guess in moderation, like more or less, like the context of the situation. You know, like what's going to be the uh, sort of uh, upsides of it, and then the downsides. You right. know, and understanding and then making the choice based on that. Yeah. Uh, if it's like chronic ice cream eating, then you yeah, know. Yeah, then then it's not so good. But a, a little bit, it's it's a delightful, wonderful experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then if you timed it with like exercising first, right. and then had it, you yeah. know, it, then it, the utilization would be different. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's so uh, so different. So it's just like we're we're saying it's not it's not black and. Yeah, it's not like, and I'm not saying like, like exercise and then eat ice cream every time. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm having a problem with that. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, for for my own journey, uh, and one of the most difficult things about meditation for me in my life is that uh, the shedding of the way I th thought things were. And and it uh, oftentimes when you just go inward and and just see what is, it's quite a rude awakening. Uh, and and in my life I've had uh, different spirits come and and teach me. And and one of those uh, spirits was a, a Buddhist in 
uh, uh, Thailand, and uh, he he would come in and uh, have me forget things. You know, he would put a, I would have a glass in front of me. He'd say, "Well, forget you know anything about a glass. Forget you know anything about uh, uh, containers." And you know, he would have me do this constant uh, for uh, forgetting, and and then he would do, for example, uh, this table. He would. He would say, well, forget you know anything about a table. And, uh, and the amazing thing about that is when I was forgetting about a table, all of a sudden I, I would be hyper aware that there was of the material of the wood. And then I was uh, forgetting about wood. And then it would appear to me uh, about the people that put the <laughs> table together. Or, or the rain that fell on the tree that the table was made on. Right, right. And, and so uh, that whole teaching was uh, so much about um, uh, reductive uh, logic and how limiting it is. And, w- and when we define something as a table, we've stopped learning from it. Yeah. We've stopped observing from it. Uh, where there's a whole richness in the table that uh, we're kind of discounting and not allowing uh, it to in, literally impact our life um, uh, and allowing that uh, whole richness to be there. Yeah, so it's, uh, the table itself had uh, some histories, some memories, uh, right. who touched it, like how it was cultivated, what tree it came from. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, down to the seed, <laughs> yeah, down <laughs> the, to the sun. <laughs> yeah, like uh, how did that seed end up there, you know, and now it's like right in front of us. So there's so much more than what people uh, encapsulate in a word such as table. So in some ways, um, going within is analogous to that uh, richness mm. that there's so much information richness in life that we're not like paying attention to we're not like uh, truly listening including like communicating with each other so when right. you interact with uh, human beings like you're seeing more than just a, a, a physical body there's there's this rich history um, beyond like even their birth per se or uh, or even genetically uh, their parents, and then their parents' parents, and then all the way down the line. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is that way, and it's also um, kind of a study of energy. It's sort of you notice the details, and then you notice the details of the details, and then you notice the details of those those details, and it's kind of a little bit of a rabbit hole, and to where you uh, learn all these uh, different energies um, uh, for just the sense of telling the difference between this and that you know it uh it's just kind of a discernment thing what parts the wheat and what parts the shaft right you know it's not about good wheat or bad shaft or having any judgment about that that uh that takes way too much energy right uh um so it's it's about noticing uh all these different energies and as you notice those energies um then certain things reveal you know, and uh, so much of meditation for me is knowing uh, what's me and what's not. And so it's the same thing when I look at people, I go, oh, yeah, well, then um, I, I can see that energy. And then kind of one of the things I do is I kind of cross-reference things against time. So I go, you know, well, 
where did that originally, where, where did that pattern originate? And then I kind of cross-reference against time, and like, oh, yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, that's the grandfather, that's a great-grandfather, that's the uh, great-great-grandfather, or even uh, uh, further back. It's just, um, you know, just the concept of time is, uh, for me in meditation, of understanding uh, what it means to just be right here in the moment. Yeah, yeah. so, like, looking back at someone's, uh, like, family ancestry, mm-hmm. so that's one level of a dimension that you're looking at mm-hmm. um, genetically, but then there's also like the spirit. So you're now talking about like another line of time, space, mm-hmm. travel, where you're coming from uh, uh, other lifetimes that are not related to genetics, you know? So like in the physical bodies, the genetics, that goes down the family tree. And then, then the spirit may have been popping in a different genetics, fam, different trees, you know, different pools. Yeah, and, and, um, and what I see a lot is um, what I would call programmatic energy, where something happened to great-great-grandfather and they made it some decision about the way the world is. Uh, or they just had some general disposition about what reality was. And that whole concept would resonate and get passed down over and over again where the same types of uh, things would happen over and over again in the family system. And you can say genetics, and I would say, no, uh, I would say uh, there's so much energy being radiated out um, in such a way that the potentialities of what that person's going to do and how they're going to do it are going to give a certain result. Right. So it would say like a momentum. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier, like uh, typically um, those that are abused become the abuser. So, you know, if it's been uh, like, let's say a great grandfather abused uh, a grandfather and then grandfather abused uh, father and then father abused son, mm-hmm. you know, like there was sort of this, decision made way back whenever it first happened and it like keeps like perpetuating itself mm-hmm. through the, the the genealogy right and until someone uh let's say you come across somebody and you're like you can you actually see mm-hmm. this this energy of momentum being passed on and then you mm-hmm. can say it to like the sign like um However, it unfolds, but you say, hey, I noticed this, and the guy might be like, "How? Uh, with his permission, like, how did you know that? And then this guy now has the information, uh, the ability to use that information to make a different choice so it doesn't pass on to his son or a daughter, you know, down the line. Right. Yeah, that's, um, well, uh, what you just touched on is kind of the psychology of things. And one of my, uh, one of the things that's actually helped me uh, to proceed was the fact that it's a simple concept that if you don't deal with something and you're trying to progress spiritually, if you don't deal with it, it's going to bite you. It'll come. It'll show up at yeah. some point. Yeah. If you if you have that. Uh, uh, thing you're not you're trying to ignore. Uh, oh, this happened way back when, and I, I'm just going to try to ignore that. 
as you're trying to uh, get closer to divinity, that's uh, going to come out with more pressure. There's going to be more pressure exerted to have whatever that issue is, have it resolved. And so it's just been a lifelong thing for me, uh, not only to meditate, but also to uh, do whatever the psychological issues are. I mean, it's... So to do the to do the work for your own uh, evolution, yeah. yeah. To not just so the thing with let's say enlightenment or uh, sort of these concepts, like there's like some end goal that mm. like everything's gonna be glorious from here on out. You know, <laughs> like um, they always say like once you're enlightened, like chop wood, or before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. I just yeah. messed up the joke. And then <laughs> after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So the thing is, um, you're even with this sensitivity and it's, I, I would see it like it's a skill that you could develop that anybody mm. can start where they are with, um, being introspective and starting to get to know them and like look at like like where are thoughts coming from where are feelings coming from and and then you learn discernment like you actually call them uh spirits or you know gremlins or demons like there's cartoons where there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other you know um i think those are fitting metaphors so um, but this idea that there's like an end goal, like, or there's like spiritual competition where someone's like, Hey, I'm a black belt, you know, fifth degree enlightened master. And, you know, and this is like some white belt, like chump, you know, like, what does he know? Right. And so uh, there's always that sort of funny, uh, ego, even a spiritual ego going on with like yeah. comparing things. And yeah, and the reality is, is, is just the opposite, you know? And I, everyone is so precious. That that's the bottom line, you know. And I I, I learned this kind of a, um, uh, in a strange way. I was in uh, Brazil and I was uh, uh, doing meditation with uh, different groups, and different people would come, uh, and. So I'd just be talking, and it'd be all these people in the other worlds coming and, you know, wanting me to convey to this person about how precious they were and how, uh, they're, you know, they're really watching their life and they're so proud of them and uh, they're, uh, they're so excited to know them. Others, uh, uh, and then, then the next person would come and it would be a similar story, you know, They'd be coming and saying, oh, you're so precious. And, and after about 50, 60 people, I go, oh, my God, I got it. Everyone is so precious. And it's not about, uh, quote, unquote, how enlightened you are or, uh, you know, as far as divinity is concerned, you are that spark. You, you are, that is who you are. And uh, the only reason why... Um, this is a task for me is that I want to be as close to that divinity as I, I can. Because for me, it's just about uh, knowing who I am. And the more I know that, it's um, about seeing that divinity. And, and when you, you can't uh, see your own divinity without seeing how precious and divine people are. Uh, and 
and in that there's there's no up and down there's no better than less than there's nothing and the other thing that's all about that is that there's no uh summit there's no spiritual summit you know you know i, I run into uh uh different people from different forms of meditation Buddhists might be one of them and they're you know they're trying to impress upon me that buddha you know reached the highest form of whatever and i'm and i'm sorry to inform them that there is no summit it's uh when the ancient uh sages talk about uh their words would say god is infinite what they meant was god is infinite <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it wasn't uh <laughs> It wasn't no there and and uh, that idea of well, uh, spiritual like a, retirement. Yeah, right. Or some person that reached the pinnacle of human, uh, yeah, the peak of human development in terms of like the Buddha. He reached the ultimate. You know, it's like who? How did you even like? Uh, like measure that you know like and and why <laughs> yeah and 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 i think it's just one of the things that happens um uh when pe- you haven't uh, reached that state you can't understand what it is and so you're just imagining uh it, it's sort of like uh people read a book about baseball and the baseball players throwing a, a ball 100 miles an hour and people imagine that they know what it is to uh, throw a baseball 100 miles an hour but they don't no and it, and and spirituality is kind of like that right right uh, where people were uh talking about um what buddha says uh there's only this great void yeah and they're um, imagining that oh that's the pinnacle everything is uh that void when when it's just a stage in meditation uh where you realize everything's coming out of a of a vacuum, right, right, and and it's you know things are being created in this realm moment to moment, and and you you'll ha- uh, people just have that direct experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like some form of skill that you can always get better at and and improve yeah. and uh, iterate and uh, at least in the spiritual realm, but it's no different from like. That's just one line of uh, learning that you can go. Like some people, like are uh, physically enlightened, so to speak. You know, like 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 what like you're saying, being able to throw a hundred mile an hour ba- a baseball, basketball. That would be next level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow! Then they could go into baseball and be, do really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your like concept of divinity? Because um, yeah, I think a lot of people have a similar question. Well, I, I'll I'll defer to the Tao, <laughs> <laughs> the Tao Te Ching, mm-hmm. uh, because what they're uh, you know what you know what said is whatever I can say about divinity is not divinity. Yeah, it, I can I can if the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. I don't know how helpful it is for me to point the finger to the moon, uh, but because um, you uh, see would... the divinity of other people, you see the preciousness of all human beings, irregardless of 
whatever they're composed of, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, uh, from president to the uh, uh, home, uh, an underserved uh, person on the street. You know, that um, there's no difference. And uh, and I and I think that's how I'll, uh, my only comment about it would be that this is how people rob themselves from uh, seeing the richness, mm-hmm. uh, because those people who have taken the time to um, uh, talk to somebody who is quote unquote underserved or uh, not living in a building, uh, if you if you go and actually talk to them, it'll dispel you of any. A concept you ever had you'll think oh they're not educated oh no they're not this or that you know uh, they're emotionally uh disturbed some are but there's a whole realm uh there that are uh post phd genius uh kind of smart mm-hmm. and uh really in tune with their life and uh uh it's just a it's completely yeah, different. Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, you just uh, you're, and and so like how? I, yeah, go ahead. I, I would I would just say that it's uh, so much more about just experiencing what is, without any judgment, um, uh, than it is about any concept or. Uh, or judgment about it right because yeah. the concepts as useful as they are for tools they're not like the moon per se you know if you say like you point to it but you know the concept help point to it but right. it's not that direct experience uh, you're not able to really know somebody unless you actually uh communicate some way with them you know to and have it like you and I are talking right now have that same sort of face-to-face interaction mm-hmm. um because I, I like this concept of like universal love to be able to um see everything as like equal on a, uh on an absolute level you know like in terms of you're you're never like like you're never discriminating based on like the way a person looks or what they're dressed or what they talk or like their social economic status mm-hmm. you're you're see them as they are mm-hmm. and um what what causes us to look at others outside of ourselves and and make these sort of judgments like would you say that that's a part of the brain or would you actually say that the demons or the gremlins <laughs> getting in the way <laughs> Uh, I, I, um, well, in in this case, I'd like to kind of refer to um, uh, some uh, Tibetan Buddhist philosophy about uh, right at the time of conception, uh, man and woman are copulating, and just the the whole energetic disposition of the the man and the whole energetic disposition of the woman right at that that time, um, the whole that whole microcosmos of those uh, collective energies and dispositions and et cetera, are uh, getting uh, activated right there as the uh, egg is being fertilized, 
And so there's so much energy right there uh, that is like a, a big ball rolling down a hill. You know, this uh, in, in so many ways, of so many of uh, the dispositions, et cetera. That's, that's one, one level. But then um, you're... Uh, all the thoughts your parents have about money or religion or how to socialize in life, et cetera, that also creates uh, structures in which you uh, utilize. And each one of those structures kind of gives so many potentialities and eliminates so many potentialities. And so... Um, it's not that things are necessarily set in a, a certain way, but there's, they're certainly set as far as uh, certain potentialities. I'll, I'll give a, an example. A woman uh, once came to me, and, and she was uh, very upset, and uh, she was trying to ask an extremely sincere question. And she said, are there any good men in the world? I can't find any. And it was just so self-evident of all the patterning that she had, that even if the the best of man was in front of her, there would not be a way for her to acknowledge it and interact with that that man at that level. Right, it's because, like right in front of her, and she wouldn't be able to see it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's how so many things are existing uh, for people. Um, uh, for example, if making money is really hard, then that's exactly what you'll do. You know, but if m making money is easy, that's what you'll do. And you'll find those potentialities uh, and opportunities based off of just that disposition. Right. So if, for example, you're looking at the brain as a computer, mm -hmm. we had the power to like program what is it that we want it to do so if you mm -hmm. want to make money you could actually code a certain way of seeing the world that would enable your eyes to see it right in front of you it's always been there yes um, versus if you grew up poverty conscious you would never see the opportunity they, they were always there you know but the moment that you had this epiphany enlightened moment mm -hmm. You're like, oh my God, it's always been here, you know? Right. Uh, this morning, as I was driving over this direction um, to work on a client, uh, my mom helped me bring a lot of my baggage to the car. Mm -hmm. So we get to the, the trunk of the car, and I, I have a rental car right now. So I like hit the uh, unlock button on the, the, uh, the car alarm uh, sensor, and then, like, like, I didn't hear it unlock. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm going to just open the trunk, put all my stuff in there, and, and it wouldn't open. And I kept pressing it. I tried, like, the other rental car center key, and it uh, didn't work. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to use my key to open it. So I stick the key in the keyhole, and that didn't fit. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on, right? My mom's standing there next to me, like, what's going on? And then I look up, and it's the wrong car. <laughs> It was the same color as the rental car, but it was two stalls uh, next to the, the the real car. I was supposed to like the correct car. So 
<laughs> my mom just looks at me and she's like, man, you're losing. <laughs> and I uh, said, ain't we all, you know, because we literally get in our own way like this, uh, this uh, scientific term of the uh, cognitive dissonance or mm-hmm. uh, cognitive bias. Like we, we only see what like we want to see, you know, and, and um, would you say that, uh, spirituality is somewhat similar, you know, because uh, it's always been there. But then when you actually had that direct experience, like even science, as amazing as it is, um, can't really talk you out of like the experience, like learn how to ride a bike, you know, no one can take that away from you, you know, unless you have like a stroke or something. But the direct experience will always be there, even though your body can't physically ride a bike anymore. Right. Yeah. The, um, uh, I have a, such a flood of everything as you're uh, talking about that. Um, just, you know, I'll just talk about some assumptions that people are, uh, what I witness people making, um, they uh, sometimes think that everyone's brain works the same. And the way their brain works, it must be the way everybody else's brain works. And I can assure you that that's not the case at all. (laughs) (laughs) People's brains are really different, not casually different, but really different. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way they're putting thoughts together and cognizing things and defining things, uh, there are a lot of similarities but if uh, it's it's a different soup, right? So uh, there's like agreements that are made that are uh, sort of status quo, mm-hmm. but then then it there's like these other <laughs> ends of the spectrum of possibilities outside of that like narrow status quo <laughs> bandwidth. Yeah, it's uh, well. It's all, also we we were talking about how th- these potentialities. It's also about the time in which we were born, and what was going what's going <coughs> what's going on in the world at that time. You know, you know. For for me, there were, uh, when I was a, a teenager, there weren't cell phones or uh, even uh, computers. Now somebody's born with cell phones and computers and all these different devices, their whole perception of the world and potentialities is completely different. Yeah, so just to interrupt on that one, so back to like the uh, ability of the human to develop a skill as sensitivity, Mm -hmm. like everybody born with cell phones and computers and uh, wireless technology just sees that as normal. But if we went back like 50 years... (laughs) You know, like even the radio, but even like, let's say like 150 or 200 years ago, if we could time travel those people to hear, they would think we're all like woo woo. Like, what what do you mean? Like voices coming out of like this object. Yeah. Well, it was a cartoon, Dick Tracy. I'm going to talk to my, (laughs) I'm going to talk to my wristwatch Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a phone. Right. And today it's a reality. Yeah. And I feel like with science exponentially uh and computers exponentially getting powerful we're gonna be able to start to uh substantiate what and it's starting to already with meditation and neurophysiology and neuroscience is seeing like all these networks of connections happening in the brain all the way down to the gut and more you know um 
so yeah, it's it's mind-boggling there. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the other thing I would say about meditation is that it's all physical. I mean, uh, people, uh, this is just a misconception that I see people, oh, oh, that meditation and spirituality is about up and out of this body, or, or completely disconnecting from this body in order to uh, ascend in uh, some way. Made that mistake. And, and, and for myself, it, it took me a long time to realize it was just the opposite. It was about how inward, really anchored in, into the earth, and then uh, with that kind of base, then I could easily um, go to higher places and maintain it easily. Whereas, yeah, similar to a tree. Right. And uh, whereas uh, early on, I, I mean, I could exit my body very easily, um, but uh, being able to maintain that, or it was very disruptive in my life. Yeah, it like yeah, with your uh, at least in my experience too, with you know our relationships with other human beings, our yeah. relationship with uh, grounded reality. You yeah. know, it was like you kind of lose your bearings, and you're almost somewhere else, but you're here. But everybody in inter- acting or interfacing with you is like what the hell is going on with tony and peter they're probably thinking that right now um but yeah like i had to have a near-death experience to sort of bring me back to like Uh oh that's that's the perverted version of spirituality it's like it's actually about um being more human more grounded it's not about like uh, sending my spirit out of my body it's like no it's it's basically tying the two ends together like a lightning rod where you're grounded but you also have like now you have like wi-fi signal and you have bluetooth <laughs> and you like upgrade the the physical uh hardware is what yoga has always been trying to explain too there's certain posture certain breathing there's actually a physical um adaptation that's happening like with the system right and and um and when i say physical um as i'm learning these things there's something physical happening in my brain there's these micro uh microglio cells that i mean they're the ones that are responsible for making uh the synaptics connect they're like branches of uh, trees it's something physically physical happening it's not uh what you're going uh when you're going inward and uh, sensing more, you're building a whole different type of neural network in, yeah. in your brain, in your body. So brain and then even like this connection signals to all the other organs. Right. And so there's that neuroplasticity. Yeah. And, and I would also um, don't want anybody to un- uh, understand what I'm saying is that what I did is the right way and what they're doing is, uh, is the wrong way because... Uh, that's not reality as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, everyone is on a, on a particular journey. We have, uh, we have our own experiences and our own obstacles and our own strengths, and uh, we're dealing with things uh, from a certain way. Um, my deal is only kind of like a scientist. We go, well, if you want to be able to do this, if you want to be able to hear somebody think, oh, first be able to hear divine sound, go into that divine sound deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is what it's going to happen. And this is what the sages talked about. It's not, you know, it's not like I've created this. It's just, and, uh, 
you know, there's just uh, a very logical uh, pathway. A progression, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, yeah, there's, a, uh, um, and, and, you know, the other thing about spirituality that I would uh, tell people is everyone thinks that they want some kind of spiritual gift or siddha, and I can assure you <laughs> that that's the last thing you want. Yeah, so like a spiritual power. Yeah, yeah because um, I would just say uh, in my own life, uh, I think I spent six or seven years because, uh, for example, when I went into that divine sound, and it got louder and louder, and all of a sudden it uh, got completely quiet. Uh, the f- next thing that happened was I could hear a conversation uh, of the wo- woman next door having a conversation with her, her daughter. And then that multiplied. And it took about seven, uh, six or seven years for me to be able to uncalibrate the, or recalibrate that so it wasn't uh, uh, a horrendous um uh over stimulus yeah you know i yeah, mean yeah. I, w- I would walk around with my, my eyes just open and i i didn't want to go outside it, i mean it would be uh uh really awful you know i'd be in the grocery store and i'd walk by somebody and i want to strangle them right <laughs> yeah know? i mean they say that's in science that the uh, the brain actually has uh, natural filters because mm-hmm. if we actually heard all the different functions that's going on when we're uh you know like digestion and oh, like yeah. like the signals to beat the heart and like all the signals come in you drive you mad right so yeah. um so essentially like be careful because you may not want to open those doors, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's a joke with me because I actually, being hearing impaired, had sought out ways to improve my hearing. Uh, and uh, through, uh, when we'll get into the technology side of, of healing, um, mm-hmm. they're using a machine that I use called the electro equiscope. Mm-hmm. It's called a microcurrent technology. Uh, day in, day not, and day out, I would, I would hook it up to my brain. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, like my hearing was getting so acute um, that I could actually hear the conversation back at a time when I was married and living in uh, Vancouver, Canada. But mm-hmm. I heard my wife and her, my parents-in-law talking in the kitchen, mm-hmm. like the moment I wake up. And it's always been a phenomenon for me that when I wake up, it's like my hearing is perfect. And then I don't know if it's like programs and conditionings, but then all of a sudden I like, I'm, I'm like the death Tony, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I worked on that and like, I actually could hear and I could hear a lot of things that I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I stopped treating my my brain and my ears <laughs> i was like i like being deaf you know and that's like sort of the walking joke is that i have yeah. like selective hearing you know it's yeah. because i i can't imagine how anybody with uh normal hearing can like sleep like or or, or continue to sleep without being woken up like i love my sleep so yeah. um you know it just became a blessing in disguise where i actually have to actually like a blind person at this sense in other ways. Um, the yeah. same with my hearing. It, it made, it forced me to become a better listener. I'm not a perfect listener. I never will be. Um, but I certainly have a skill that, um, that enables me to be more present with people when they're speaking. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's um, at one 
point in my life, it became so obvious that you don't need your ears to hear, you don't need your eyes to see, you, you don't need your skin to feel. You know, and uh, in the, uh, the uh, I believe it's the Upanishads, it talks about um, uh, it's not the eyes that see, it's the power inside the eyes that see. It's not the ears that hear, it's the power inside the ears that hear and kind of that inverting of our senses is kind of tuning into what that power is versus uh, thinking it's about the eyes or the ears or uh, the skin or or whatever those things because ultimately this is just a spacesuit you know it's a very important spacesuit mm-hmm. you know I'm happy I have the spacesuit um, um, but I have absolutely no fear about uh, exiting yeah you know so you just touched upon uh death mm-hmm. uh so the literal sense is the the body stops working uh like where does peter go then goes <laughs> <laughs> a lot of places <laughs> <laughs> well i mean so there's that and then when you were a kid like you know you had uh, let's say colleagues that were into a psychedelic drugs like LSD and you're like, whoa, why would I take that? I had that like on a daily basis, like, um, you know, which I find is a, uh, can be a useful tool. It's just that again, it's how you use tools. It's the, the maturity. Um, cause a lot of people are just doing things just to get high because they're, you know, lacking in, uh, some, something, they have something going on inside that they're trying to like, uh, silence that noise like mm-hmm. they're not dealing with whatever it is so they you know they may get a temporary uh feeling of elation or uh freedom from the monkey mind or from the gremlins and demons but mm-hmm. you know ultimately if you don't deal with it so if you use psychedelics but uh near death experiences or you know the uh to realize like there's more to life you know when when you have that near death experience, you you tend to realize like, oh my God, I need to be kinder to people. I need to um, respect and be grateful for this body that I have, and not like abuse myself anymore, whether like physically or mentally. Stop abusing other people. So, um, yeah, go into like the whole death experience and like how you made peace with um, that. And well, I I mean, I just want to. Uh, just make a comment um, that so much of this life for me is has been about how to be kinder, gentler, uh, more loving uh, uh, to myself, and and then uh, not even with any kind of a, even agenda outward, just allowing that to be, and then that uh, just has a natural way of uh, reflecting. It's not that it's uh, perfect and, um, you know, it's, this is a continuous, ongoing uh, journey. It's not, I mean, if anybody thinks it's like this, (laughs) no, uh, because at one point you just realize that it's not just me. Everybody's got issues. (laughs) Yes. You know, and I have my issues, but but everybody's kind of uh, going through something. I'm sorry, I forgot the uh, the question about death. Yeah. Um, the well, I mean, but even before we get into that, just 
uh, our interactions with each other and like, um, you know, trying to have a, a good relationship. Like, let's say uh, you and your wife, you know, like what were some of the uh, things that happen, you know, as one pursues their spirituality, like there's all the stuff comes up, you know? And so, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. not just with your wife, but like the whole world, right? Oh yeah. But, uh, uh, but the reality is, you know, our spouses are, uh, designated <laughs> yeah. to uh, trigger us, and because uh, we love and trust them the most, um, and you know, just the way the bumps and grooves work uh, in relationships, um, it's it's been uh, excruciating, and at the same time, I'm so grateful that. Uh, those issues exist in her in that way so that I could get to what my real issue is about. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's always an amazing thing where you finally get to the issue and you go, Oh, it wasn't about her at all. (laughs) (laughs) It it was about, it was about me. And I had a, uh, you know, I really have this, uh, this problem where, um, I, I've been hanging on to this pain. And so every time she would say this, I would tap into that pain and think she was doing X, Y, Z when that was not the reality at all. And then I, you, you see that you have, you have the whole pattern of uh, recreating those situations so that you, it, it, and it's, it sounds so crazy. You, we set things up that are going to be painful situations for us so that we can get something bigger, something better. And then, and also the opposite. We set things up so things can be awesome so that we can then uh, do something bigger and greater. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The big test is family for sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. holy crap, man. Wow. And, uh, you know, because when, and I've tried to go to India and find some cave and, you know, meditate and my, 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 my life, almost away you know and I, I realized like that wasn't the answer it was like we have every opportunity in this world to yeah. um practically and physically um in some ways get closer to mastery of our own self you know like yeah. and not like in terms of a level but in a, in a sense of a, a maturity that you're no longer reacting like a infant mm-hmm. you're reacting with uh, poise and you still feel the pressures, but you can make uh, decisions in in the line of fire, so to speak, with the world. And and then that yeah. to me is like a, a very somewhat uh, powerful place to 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 become. You know that type of uh, adult in that way. You know. Yeah. Um. Um. My meditation teacher, my guru, uh, he would repeat. Often, how much love do you have? Just say, how much, how much love do you have? If somebody's unkind to you, you, do you have enough love that you can still be kind to them? Or, or you don't have so much love, and if somebody's a little unkind to you, 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 ha- you have to lash out. Uh, and he would say, you, you know, that's the real wealth in this world, is how much love you have. Uh, because there's, you know, there's not a life without problems. Right. It, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Gates has money problems. Well, how is that possible? He, he's a billionaire. 
well, he has so much money that he's got to spend <laughs> at least uh, six to eight hours every day dealing with money, even, even if he's just dealing with supervisors of supervisors. It's, it's not, uh, not everything about it is a freedom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting with the, uh, I guess, uh, maturity side of development. So, yeah. Uh, like right now, I'm blanking out. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Be, uh, uh, you know, just talk about, uh, for me, the spiritual realm. Yeah. So I, I talked about the soil and I talked about the stars mm-hmm. and how complex everything is here. Well, why would people imagine that it's uh, the spiritual realm is any different? You know, there, there's been several saints in the uh, world that say, you know, if, uh, if spirits were opaque, they would block the sun. It's kind of like that. It's just rich and complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing about what happens when uh, people die. And it's very different if you're a Buddhist and you, you die or you're a Catholic and you die. What, you're, what your experience is going to be, the whole energetic composite of uh, who that person is and um, their spiritual connections in the other world are going to be completely different. So what, uh, when they exit this world, it's, it's going to be uh, very different. There's going to be some similarities, uh, but having said that, uh, there's uh, it's very different uh, for people, and uh, how we have different places in um, this world, and some are nice and uh, some aren't so nice, and there's this whole spectrum. Uh, well, the, as far as my own personal experience, I've s- seen all that in the other world. You know that there's. Uh, all these different uh, kind of realms that uh, yeah because I was gonna ask you like how do you know that right for like people are listening like I I get a general sense because you know how is it possible that I can close my eyes and like visualize uh, myself uh, in certain realms or like have a a, an idea of like what I like to see in the future I can maybe like visualize like or even look at memories that I had in the past like Mm -hmm. so in that way that's similar like a process that you're able to to see these other realms yeah Uh, and again this uh, for me this is really a very physical thing so all I've done is gone inward 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 and then um, and and it's kind of gotten uh, as close to uh, that energy that allows me to see or hear or whatever, and then without the actual physical with, senses, yeah, you know, without the physical senses, and then I I simply am. Utilized. Are you Yoda? Huh? Are you Yoda? Yoda. <laughs> oh man, I want to be Yoda. <laughs> I, I wish I could do what Yoda does. Um, there is some kind of uh, again. This is like the realm that science can't really uh, touch, but just like cell phones have come into existence and are able to measure things that we can't see. We have all kinds of technology that can measure stuff that uh, the physical senses can't pick up. Yeah, and um, well, that's why say things are existing in an infinitely complex way versus an oversimplified way that, you know, everybody wants to oversimplify it, but, uh, or a lot of people want to oversimplify it, but things are existing in an infinitely complex way. uh, but pe- uh, people say, well, there's no real evidence that there's even life after death. I- I'm, excuse me? 
there, there's so much evidence it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, just, I mean, but they, you could see why they say that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's uh, mystics like uh, Chico Xavier in, in Brazil who wrote uh, 400, I think, 22 books in trance about people's lives here on Earth and also what happened uh, in the in the other world when they left left their body. Yeah, and, or, or and, even like, uh, sorry to interrupt there, with the, uh, the Dalai Lama, like yeah. there's certain steps that when that baby comes out, he has to like pass all these tests that this baby would exact even know. Exact same thing. Like they kept this written record that's, you know. Well, and, and there are different lamas around uh, um, the Dalai Lama and their only job is to track the Dalai Lama. That's their only job. And it's not like they're following him around. It's about them being in meditation and having their attention and concentration to be on that uh, Dalai Lama because if, when he leaves, their, uh, leaves that body, it's their job to track him down when he takes that next birth. That's their whole job. That's, those are the people that go and give the test. Yeah. <laughs> they, they go, okay, does he know which glasses are his? Okay, uh, which dentures are his? <laughs> which... Uh, when you, or were these your shoes or are these your shoes? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and so in this way, there's, if you really examine the amount of evidence about, um, life after this one, uh, it, it's just outrageous. Yeah. So that's like reassuring in a sense that, uh, you just change, uh, your physical form, but the the consciousness that's Peter born in uh, Texas on this particular <laughs> date with this family, uh, yeah. you know, those are all just kind of external uh, like packets of concepts that you you maneuver in the world as you know right. you know like you're born in the united states so you have a u.s passport you're you know it's like we're able to maneuver in these like suits you know with the, a certain title yeah it and it it's a little um you know in some ways my life is um uh, uh quite bizarre it's for example uh, i was in uh, you remember tim maddock He's, oh yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, Shout out to Tim Matic, <laughs> the whole Matic family. <laughs> the um, well, we went out to dinner with um, one of the families that he was coaching, and uh, there's a uh, young girl, and so I, you know, so the, the topic always turns to meditation, and so. Um, uh, and so I, I was just saying, uh, well, you know, you're really um, uh, strongly influenced by your, your great-grandmother. And, you know, her, her jaw came down and um, because there's a whole history of uh, what the great-grandmother did and how all the women in the family uh, became um, very prominent uh, since her. Because she uh, she had a particular life, and uh, she uh, overcame some things, even though she she died at twenty three. But what she achieved spiritually was so powerful that it in, it, it impacted every woman uh, in that family family tree. So you know, all I'm doing is I'm sitting beside somebody and saying, 
oh yeah, you know, feeling a particular energy and going, oh, that's your not grandma, oh great grandmother, uh, and boy, you're really connected with her. She's really important uh, to you. It's not, it's not cognitive. I'm just trying to feel. I'm oh this or you know this or that, and uh, so for her, for her, you know, some magic trick just happened. You know, her jaw's hitting the ground and she's gone, you know, she's just repeating, oh my God, oh my God, oh oh my God, like something. uh, But for me, it was, it's just a, it's just a parent. Yeah, it's a a form of feedback that most people aren't uh, Uh, used to. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, uh, and, and so it's a little bit of a trick sometimes, a lot of times I have to keep my mouth uh, shut and it's. It's a continuous uh, task to filter uh, what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. Yeah. Um, and how it's going to be perceived. And, um, uh, you know, the, that, whole, that whole gamut of things. And, 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 you know, people just have different concepts uh, about uh, spiritual gifts or or Sid is like, you know, does Peter think he's some special guy? It's like, trust me, <laughs> I, I'm fully aware of all my flaws <laughs> and all the things I'm working on at the same time. Okay, I ha- have some skills, you know, and and uh, am I right all the time? No. Yeah. Uh, how, how many make mistakes do I make in this in this realm? Oh, my God. You know, it's it's on a daily basis where, you know, I'm still at the end of the day going, Wow, it'd be it would have been really good if I'd have said this instead of that. Just like you know, we're having this conversation, and I I, I already know I'm going to be in bed and going, "Geez, I wish I would have said that." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, we even get into like the whole uh, technology and healing side of machines, but yeah, um, as we wrap up, um, you know, your what I appreciate about you is your your humility, um, your 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 humor. You know, you don't take it seriously. You realize that um, what you've developed and and had since you were young, and maybe from prior, and I say maybe you could. I, I know for me, it's probably it's close to true. You know, in my own experience, but for those that are listening, to just keep an open mind. But it's, it's totally cool if you're like that's just a, a load of horseshit. Um, but the main thing is that uh, I'm just like grateful for your presence in my life and grateful for, you know, uh, our opportunity to, uh, continue to work since like uh, magic flow oh, bus yeah. to, to, to be of service to people, to let them know that there's these realms of, uh, potentiality that's within them that if they're open and they're ready for growth, um, you know, it's, it's there, it's right. It's always been around you it's just whether you're ready or not. Um, and then the responsibility that comes with a double-edged sword tool, you know, because on one level it's a gift, but on another level it can be a curse, you know, in terms of um, it can affect your life in a way that there's no, like, unknowing. Like, once you know, you can't unknow it, you know? It's it's true. Um, um, in so many ways, uh, you gain this little gift, and the rule book is this big. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, the the gift you got was uh, seem seemingly paper thin, um, 
but the rule book with it is is meaning um, said by somebody else is that when it comes to uh, love, we're all in debt, you know, because I mean, people have loved us in so many ways. We're in debt, you know. How 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 will we repay our our mother for changing our diaper so many times, or our uh, father rocking us, or you know, all their sleepless nights, all their you know? sleepless night, we're yeah. we're crying and we're cr- uh, cranky, and, yeah, tantrums, yeah, yeah, you know, can you sh- please show me how to tie my shoe, <laughs> and you know, I can't reach the sink to, mm-hmm. to get uh, to get the water. They they there's uh, in so many ways we're we're so in debt to people. Yeah, that, that's the reality. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're uh, you're around and <laughs> back, uh, back at you. To, uh, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, you, it, it's flow real, but the the thing is, it's Tony real. <laughs> it's Tony real, yeah, or the real Tony. Because uh, that that's uh, that whole synergy that gets created because it's ground zero, uh, just caring about people and their in their process, and um, and it's about just helping people move forward any way you can, and just being the witness there or the uh, conversationalist about it, or all those uh, little things that are you know it's uh, it's such a blessing. I uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's just the compassion behind like all of it, you know. So mm. uh, we've been through the ringer it was many oh, yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't talk about all the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we talked about all the nice stuff, but yeah, and that's the that's life. It's like I always say, it's all the musical notes. <laughs> it's you know? all the musical and, yeah. the, and the dissonance too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Peter Marola. Thank you so much for coming on to Hangry and Horny. All right. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this last episode of Hangry and Horny. I want to give a big shout out and thanks to Peter Marola for giving us his time, sharing his wisdom in regards to spirituality, divinity, and meditation. I also want to give a big shout out to my sponsor of this show, F-bomb nut butters uh, go to dropanfbomb.com and check out their selections of delicious macadamia based nut butters you can use the promo code flowreal that's f-l-o-w-r-e-a-l at the checkout and that will give you 20% off of your first order Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate your support and have an amazing day or evening wherever you are in the world and see you on the next episode of Hangry and Horny. Mwah!